All right, good morning. Welcome to the City of Sacramento's Law and Legislation Committee meeting. I call this meeting to order. Ms. Clerk, will you please call the roll to establish a quorum? Councilmember Jennings? Here. Councilmember Gear? Here. Councilmember Maple? Here. Sir Valenzuela? I'm here. Uh, Councilmember Gear, will you please lead us in the land acknowledgement and Pledge of Allegiance? Thank you all. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, the Putwin and Wintun people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who come before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation of Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. If uh, you will join me, uh, face flag, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, thank you, council member. And I'll remind members of the public, if you'd like to speak on any items, fill out a slip there in the back, although I see you all back there, and turn it into the clerk so we can make sure everybody is heard. So we will start with item one on the consent calendar, the law and legislation log. Does anybody have any comments or questions? Or is there a motion? Okay, moved by Councilmember Guerra, seconded by Vice Mayor Maple. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstentions. That measure is done. Um, so moving on to our only discussion item today, a council member request for committee consideration regarding regulation of hemp-derived products. Um, so I'll invite our representatives from SAC, our Youth Forward here to present on this item. But I will say, as um, the person who introduced this in partnership with um, Youth Forward, uh, really shocked and, and, and really surprised to hear that there are hemp products being sold in our city that are outside of the regulations that we would normally expect cannabis products to be. Um, and so I have here a product that was bought um, by a representative from Youth Forward who is over age but doesn't look it. Um, honestly, when she said that she bought this, I was like, you look like you're 14, um, but had no ID requirements, no regulations. And this product says that it is equivalent to 15 milligrams CBD, has 10 gummies in it and is being sold at a gas station in our community. So what's happened is due to state law, and I'm sure our co um, colleagues presenting today will get into it, there is a loophole that allows for um, essentially products that have the equivalent of THC and CBD in them to be sold without the same requirements that we would put on cannabis retailers. So that's what this ordinance is proposing, is to ask staff to bring something back that would regulate hemp products similarly to the way we would regulate cannabis products. Um, so I want to invite up Sarah Michael um, and uh, Adwa, Adwoa, sorry, Adwa. Ajua, sorry, sorry. Um, and I don't know if Kiara Gonzalez is here as well yet. Okay, so the two of you will come up. I know you have a, a slide so presentation to explain the ordinance and then we'll hear from staff and then from the public. So I think the slideshow. Okay, there we go. Take it away, you two. Yeah, hello and good morning. My name is Ajua Achianu. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Sarah Michael Gaston. I'm the Deputy Director at Youth Forward. And today we will be presenting on the intoxicating hemp products in kids in Sacramento. 
These slides were prepared uh, with Dr. Lynn Silver from Public Health Institute and her entity getting it right from the start. And so intoxicating hemp products are being sold in corner stores, vape shops, and gas stations, including online and just convenience stores, without age restriction, without regulations that govern the sale of cannabis. So this is an example of a product that was purchased by Youth Forward staff um, and wasn't carded. This was purchased last year in October um, from the Cloud9 Tobacco Store, actually just 0.5 miles from Endocum High School. And as you can see by the label, it's pretty much designed to literally mimic Hawaiian Punch, which is you know a well-known punch that's marketed to children. So this um, packet of hemp edibles, intoxicating hemp edibles, was actually purchased by myself. Um, I'm 24, so I'm still a youth um, with a developing brain. I'm pretty sure it develops until you're 25. And I wasn't carded um, when I purchased these last October from Tonic Smoke on Fulton. And again, like, you can't see the product, but their pina colada gummies kind of mimicked, they kind of mimic like typical gas station candy that I would otherwise buy. And again, I wasn't carded when I bought these. So these are some additional photos. Um, these are just around the state, not specifically to Sacramento, but when I went into the tonic, uh, the smoke shop that I went into, this is exactly what it looked like. There was nerd ropes, all kind of like super rainbow colored. I think those ropes up there in the, um, Photo all the way to the right. I saw those at the one that I went to. So this is in San, San Rafael, but it's very, very similar to what we see here in Sacramento as well. And then you have words like pain relief and energy and sleep that kind of makes you think that these are um, things you could take almost as medicine or to get like specific effects. So we wanted to highlight that the potency of um uh, Delta-8 and other synthetic um, THC products are um, what's really, um, like, it's over the amount of what's uh, legal for cannabis products, and these are, like, unregulated. And we wanted to, the, at the bottom it says THCP, which is a chemically um, processed, um, synthesized um, Delta-8 product is over 30 times the potency of legal D9 THC. And um, well, I think this one says 5,000 milligrams, and the standard is 100 milligrams per packet, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can just see that, like, people, young people especially, can just buy this without um, being carded, and um, they think it's something that is okay. Um, they don't understand the risk because it doesn't clearly state on the packaging that it is harmful. And these are drastically stronger. So at the bottom, it says that the 10-piece, each gummy is 500 milligrams. But when you're buying cannabis, each gummy would be capped at 10 milligrams. So they're really strong. So it's also extensively sold online, and which means it's um, accessible to people of any age because they can just put on there that they are 21 years of age. If there's that, um, you know, how old are you? What's your date of birth? And anyone just puts any age. So these are some more examples of uh, inhalable um, D Delta 8 um, intoxicating hemp products. Uh, this is 
from cookies. And as you can see, it's very like, you know, bright colored, uh, uh, bubbly lettering. And, and it says on there, elevates mood, relaxes the body without any added anxiety, <laughs> which is funny. Um, and it says it's federally legal. And we have a cookies here on J Street in Sacramento. Uh, another example of online uh, where you can get um, inhalable uh, Delta H um, hemp products it says naturally, it says welcome to the future of hemp and like flavors that are enticing, you know, orange creamsicle, raspberry cookies, juicy fruit, very disconcerting. And it comes in disposables, gummies, um, vape, car vape cartridges. And as Ajwa mentioned, those gummies are like, People think it's candy, um, and uh, and I remember someone saying that, um, or just parents saying that they're concerned that in class, uh, their friends might pass them a rope nerds candy, thinking that it's just regular rope nerds candy, but it might actually be um, a hemp product. So the alleged purpose of hemp legalization, both during the 2018 Farm Bill and AB Assembly Bill 45, the author said the intent was to only legalize uh, CBD and non-intoxicating hemp products, but that is not um, what happened. Because there's also hemp that you find in like lotion and things like that, but this is very far from that. The health effects, um, there's been large increases in California and nationally in poisoning of young children by intoxicating hemp products and cannabis edibles, including ICU stays and rare deaths. I read that um, I believe it was over 30,000 uh, nationally by uh, the National Poisoning um, Associations that they found um, over 3,000 cases where uh, the component that they found in there was Delta-8 uh, hemp, which is the uh, synthetic um, uh, cannabinoid. And uh, researchers at uh, University of Southern California have found that over half of California's 10th graders uh, using cannabis products are starting with hemp products. That is their lead into um, cannabis and THC products. So what's the current legal situation? Children of any age can legally buy intoxicating hemp products in California, and these intoxicating products can be sold anywhere, um, although they're mostly seen in smoke and vape shops gas stations, convenience stores, and often they're right next to schools because that hasn't been in um, the legislation to uh, prevent or you know, remove these products from being near there. Intoxicating edible products made with Delta 9 THC are fully legal, um, like I said, and can have far more uh, THC than a legal cannabis edible. And inhalable products are currently illegal. The California Department of Public Health FAQs on their website hold that all artificially derived THCs like T8, Delta 8 are legal, but they, have, but they have not issued regulations on this topic. That's a, a typo, so please add that. We don't have that on there. They have not issued regulations on this topic. Um, enforcement is also non-existent. Um, the California Department of Health has failed to use its regulatory authority to set uh, age limits or stop intoxicating products. So intoxicating hemp undermines the legal cannabis industry and retailers and reduces tax revenue because they can basically sell it at, sell it wherever they want. There's no zoning, there's no age limit, there's no potency cap. It's just pretty much a free-for-all. 
So some local action on hemp. So why is local action needed? Well, so far, the state has failed to use regulatory authority to protect children and other consumers from these dangerous and intoxicating hemp compounds. The original intent of the Farm Bill and the implication of AB 45 was that it would only allow non-intoxicating products. Again, like I've used hemp lotions or body butters. Those are the kind of things that I imagine um, was the intent of this bill. But from poor drafting and just creative chemistry, it kind of led to something totally different. Um, and children and youth and just unwary consumers are exposed daily to intoxicating products, often in much higher doses, like we saw in the package, than the legal cannabis edible limit, um, or with unsafe, chemically contrived THC cannabinoids. So this slide is just a summary. Um, can California locality prohibit the sale of foods slash supplements that have hemp derived? cannabinoids, and this is just a summary from uh, Public Health Institute and uh, their attorneys at Public Health Law Center and uh, Michael Colantuno about how California, city, California cities and counties can um, prohibit the sale of foods and supplements that have hemp-derived uh, cannabinoids. So getting it right from the start, um, you know, created a model uh, legal hemp ordinance, and uh, their key priorities or points are that you can prohibit sale and delivery of intoxicating hemp products that are greater than one milligram per package of intoxicating cannabinoids or 0.5 milligrams per serving outside of legal cannabis retailers. So this leaves the discussion of cannabis retailers for another day. Um, but clearly, uh, you can prohibit the sale and delivery of artificially derived cannabinoids, Delta-8, THC, Delta-10, THC. I mean, clearly, you can see there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, products that can uh, have these various um, synthesized uh, components, you know, in them. And you, sh you can require age 21 and over to purchase hemp-derived cannabinoid products, including CBD for ingestion. You can prohibit inhaled hemp products and products attractive to youth. I also say, like, uh, these products, I feel like I've seen them in just regular supermarkets and grocery stores um, being uh, sold as uh, juices um, and, um, like, smoothies. I mean, uh, I feel like I've seen a yogurt um, with CBD in it. So, and that just anyone um, can buy. So... So some notes, um, I, I, the model language was developed by Public Health Institute, uh, Dr. Lynn Silver and uh, Michael Colantano. So other potential local actions, you can start enforcing against illegal activity by tobacco licenses or other licensed businesses selling products which are already illegal. Um, and then an example of this is San Diego County. Um, they recently um, sent a cease and desist letter, uh, which is, there's a little photo of it. We can send that you know, to you in another note. But consider zoning pro uh, prohibitions, especially near schools, and um, probably our, our you know, biggest one is educating the community on um, the impact that um, synth synthetic uh, THC can have um, on our most vulnerable populations. Okay. Well, thank you, you two. Um, I know my colleagues, we had the pina colada gummies that you left with me when you met, and they were looking at that up here. I'm, 
I'm sure you can probably see why I was in, eager to have a discussion about this draft ordinance. If there's this loophole that's essentially allowed to sell what is equivalent to cannabis products in the streets, in the corner stores, in the community in ways that we didn't intend, um, I felt it was really important for us to discuss what that could look like. Um, so thank you both for being here. I know staff wanted to um, give their perspective before we went to public comments. So Assistant City Manager Milstein, um, if you would like to come up on YouTube, um, can go sit down now. Thank you. We'll call you back up if we have questions. Good morning, Chair, Council Members, Lainey Milstein, Assistant City Manager. Um, we certainly understand the concerns um, that have been brought up around access to these types of items and that are outlined in the proposal. And it is certainly compelling. I want to make clear hemp is not cannabis. It is not THC that is derived from cannabis. Um, you know, the presentation outlined the current legal situation, and we believe it's a state failure. We've researched the issue and do not perceive a loophole, rather, that the state has actually failed to enforce. If we were to adopt the ordinance proposed today, it would rely on our police department to enforce, as they are the only ones who can execute a search and seizure warrant. It would also require a regulatory instruction and administration of such. As you will hear this afternoon, our police department is providing amazing programs and services, although already stretched thin, and as we look to make budget reductions, could be stretched even thinner. Our cannabis regulatory staff has their hands full with the regulation of our, of our legal cannabis businesses and has no additional capacity to manage a new regulatory structure. As such, we do not see a role for the city in enforcement on this issue, lacking staff and resources, rather, recommend pursuing additional enforcement by the state, specifically as defined derivatives are included in the definition of those items to be registered and regulated by the California Department of Public Health. The city cannot continue to step in where the state and perhaps the county of Sacramento as the local arm of the state could and should. Staff suggests that advocates increase efforts to engage with the Department of Public Health or the County of Sacramento, their presentation identified actions taken by San Diego County, not the City of San Diego, to discuss enforcement issues and is not recommending committing resources to this new effort that the city does not have. Thank you. Thank you, Lainey. Um, could I ask you just a quick question? Sorry, before you leave. Um, so when it comes to things like tobacco, I thought that our code enforcement team oversees like compliance with those ordinances and code, regulation, or is that? Code does, but okay. again, a warrant in search and seizure is the police department, so it's coordination of both. And we have heard that both PD and code don't have capacity for the work that they're already doing right now. So when there is a state regulatory structure and the state and the county is the arm of a county, I would suggest that advocates engage with the County of Sacramento and the Department of Public Health, adding this, the city stepping in to uh, take on again in, a, in another place where the state and the county have failed, right? We have another big elephant that we're already dealing with when we don't have resources and we're moving into reduction mode doesn't seem to make sense around those being responsible and accountable for the laws that they make. Okay, appreciate your feedback. All right, we'll go now to um, public comment unless you had questions for that. Okay, um, we'll go now to public comment. Madam Clerk, please. Thank you, Chair. We have six speakers. The first one is Tisha Aguilar, followed by Eric Henry. My name is Leticia Aguilar. I'm a mother of three, 
a community member born and raised in Sacramento. I'm also the CEO of Native Sister Circle. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today on a matter of urgent concern. The protection of our youth from the harmful effects of Delta-8 and Delta-9, commonly known as THC, as we navigate the evolving landscape of cannabis legislation, it is crucial that we prioritize the health and safety of our young population. Delta-8 and 9, while naturally occurring compounds in the cannabis plant, have profound impacts on the brain. The American Academy of Pediatrics has long voiced concerns of, over the exposure of adolescents to THC, citing evidence of its detrimental effects on cognitive development, memory function, and attention spans. Lack of regulation often leads to products with higher THC concentrations than what is considered safe, especially for youth. The appeal of Delta-8 and Delta-9 THC products often marketed with enticing flavors and packaging does not diminish their potential for abuse and the risk of dependency. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, has issued warnings about the rise in adverse effects associating with Delta-9 THC, ranging from hallucinating to vomiting. As, guardian, as guardians of the next generation, it is our, all of our responsibility to implement strict measures to curb the accessibility of these substances to minors. As this is all of our responsibility, again, let us remain active in our community uh, as it is also our commitment to our youth safety by taking proactive steps to regulate and educate. Thank you for your comment. Our next speaker is Eric Henry, followed by Mike Duncan. Hello and good morning, council members. My name is Eric Henry. I was raised in California, born and raised. I'm the owner and operator of Unity Health Center in Lassen County, Susanville. We're a wellness store that specializes in jewelry, candles, soaps, crystal rocks, plants and minerals, supplements, and hemp products. In December 2018, President Trump signed the 2018 Farm Bill into effect, making hemp CBD federally legal. Hemp cannot contain more than 0.03% THC per section 10113 of the Farm Bill. Any cannabis plant that contains more than 0.03% THC would be considered non-cannabis hemp or marijuana under federal law, and thus would face no, no legal protection under this new legislation. California Department of Health states that companies need a hemp permit for smokable, edible, cosmetic products as well as lab tests by a third party known as COAs in order to be in full compliance of California Department of Health and federal law. My business and most businesses are in operating in full compliance of federal and California law if they want to continue operations in this state. Regulation of hemp products provided by the California Department of Health is what this industry needs to weed out the non-compliant companies that give myself and my colleagues here in this room a bad name or image. California Department of Health needs to stand up and start regular compliance checks to make sure that everyone that sells hemp products are selling hemp products that are in compliance. The companies and brands need to produce proper and in compliance products. If the brand cannot meet the requirements from the state that the state asked for, shut the company down, not the store that sells them and pays local and state taxes to be a retailer in this city and state. 
California Department of Health needs to do compliance checks to verify products and age requirements. Myself and my colleagues are asking for your consideration in this matter. This is a federal law, not a city matter. Thank you for your comment. Our next speaker is Mike Duncan, followed by John. Good morning. <clears throat> my name is Mike Duncan. I'm the executive director of Native Dads Network, and I've also been born and raised here in Sacramento, California and also raised my children in, this, in, this, uh, in South Sacramento as well. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking today, I'm speaking today as a concerned parent and also working in the field of addiction um, in the last, for the last 15, 16 years of, of my professional career. And so one of the things that I look at, you know, just listening to today and have been in, in prior meetings, um, <clears throat> it's like we really put the cart in front of the horse. I think the states um, want and need to um, pass uh, policies before looking at the, the impact of, of, uh, of uh, these products and how accessible it is to the youth. So we're looking at generational um, impacts of um, uh, the selling of these products. And so my, my concern comes from, you know, just as a, as a father and, being, and having my son coming home and having my son having some of these um, products inside his room and be able to purchase that at, at an age um, below 21 and how accessible these things are. And, and really looking at you guys and, and, and saying to you, asking like, what are we doing to do about this so this, we could prevent this from happening for the future generations. And so I think the work is really, um, it always comes down to money, but what I hear, that always comes first before our, before our youth. That, that really, <laughs> really upsets me in a sense, like, man, is that what we're gonna talk about today? Instead of our future generations and how they're impacted in a negative way. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Our next speaker is John, followed by Albert Tittman. Hi, thank you, Council. Um, wanted to speak to you today because I am a owner of a CBD company and uh, all of the things that are sold through our company are under the 0.3 THC and are um, federally um, basically taken care of by the DEA and the brands which basically we go to an actual distro and buy these products from. So all of them are under compliance. And if there's any Delta-8, you know, CBD, so forth, um, those are also regulated under the same regulations or under the three point, under the point three THC. There's a lot of things that a lot of people do research on, but they don't actually know. Um, these hemp products that are being sold, there's a various of them through um, Safeways, Walmarts. They're being sold everywhere, and they are with compliance because the, uh, the Department of Health would not allow these products to be sold otherwise if, you know, nobody um, were, you know, um, I would say um, monitoring the dosage and the percentages of these um, products. So under the consideration of, I'm sorry, just there's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> Uh, the consideration of what Laney was talking about, honestly, I don't think you guys um, should take more consideration on, you know, us running these businesses. Yes, like, that's no problem carding people who are underage. This is, uh, CBD is actually sold 
is a dietary supplement in a lot of these stores. They're not intoxicating. Uh, the other thing is, is putting the police department on each one of our business. I feel like Laney is just trying to weaponize um, the police department against all of our businesses like she has a cannabis business. And I don't think it's fair at all for us to be trying to pay taxes or make a living out of selling this, not to the youth, not to the Thank you for your comment. Your time is now complete. Our next speaker is Albert Titman, followed by Emiliano Rosas. Good morning, relatives. Um, it's, uh, I just want to acknowledge each and every one of you and say thank you for giving me this time to speak. Uh, my tribal heritage is Nisanan Miwak Maidu. My ancestors existed here, we believe, since the beginning of time. Our creation began here. So when I walked in this morning, I heard the land acknowledgement and acknowledging my ancestors. And um, along with that, I am uh, a husband of 32 years, a father of five beautiful children and 15 grandchildren, born and raised in this area, uh, in the area where my ancestors existed since the beginning of time. I'm also the director of an organization called the Native Dads Network, deputy director. And I've been working in the field of addiction treatment counseling for the past 22 years. Um, most of that time in this area, right down the street, most of it at the Sacramento Native American Health Center, where I'm sure you are familiar with. I've worked in tribal communities across the land, addressing the issues of cannabis, cannabis grow ops, both legal and illegal, um, and currently taking a look at um, the um, hemp issue and the access really by our youth. Uh, and our children. And so in our program, we have a program, the title is Impact, Indigenous Mentors Protecting Ancestral Cultural Teachings Team. And a big part uh, of the program is addressing access to cannabis by our youth and the impacts that cannabis has had on developing brains. So you all know the science, we've been here before. I've attended a few meetings in the past in regards to, to um, legalization and recreational use of cannabis. And I'm concerned about the hemp products. And one of the reasons why I'm mostly concerned is for uh, normalization. And we've seen it with tobacco and marketing strategies to our generation. Thank you for your comment. Your time is now complete. Thank you for your comments. Sir, your time is now complete. Our next speaker is Emiliano Rosas. I appreciate that, Mr. Titman. Thank you for coming. Good morning. All right, good morning, members of the Sacramento City Council Law and Legislation Committee. I'm Emiliano Rosas. I'm representing Pro Youth and Families, a youth, a youth first nonprofit serving the Sacramento region since 1981. Uh, we've been a long standing prevention partner with Sacramento County since 1981. Um, doing underage drinking, marijuana, and tobacco prevention programs. Um, I'm here to express our strong support to any city policy that would permit the sale of intoxicating hemp products um, within the city of Sacramento. Our concerns lie in the proximity of many of the establishments opening, openly retailing these products near our schools. Um, this is not merely about the sale of hemp. Um, it's about protecting um, our youth from potential harm. Um, one of the primary issues we've identified is a lack 
of age verification at these establishments, creating a significant threat to the well-being of our youth. It is our collective responsibility to ensure that our young people are shielded from exposure to substances that could impact their health and development. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comment. Our next speaker is Kira Gonzalez. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your time. My name is Guerra Gonzalez with the Getting It Right from the Start Project with the Public Health Institute. Uh, and we're really here to ask for y'all to take action. Um, it is within your power, really. We want you to ask um, and to know that it's not okay for these products to be so easily accessible to our youth. Um, and to really, again, set a cap for um, products to be um, less than a milligram of THC per package, and to really set those age limits uh, for all hemp products. As it's been commented before, we really need to protect our youth, and really the low-hanging fruit is setting those age limits, um, and really making sure that no inhaled products like vapes are allowed, that it's already uh, currently not allowed, but again, really setting it in stone and being specific. Um, so yeah, the, that's sort of our ask, and you have the power, and you know, Sacramento has led um, and legislation, so again, really we wanna push forward to make sure that these intoxicating hemp products do not land in the hands of our youth um, and unknowing consumers. Thank you. And I brought some samples if you'd like to look at them. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. We have one last speaker, Connie Chan. Good morning. My name is Connie Chen Robinson, uh, and I'm the Executive Director of the Public Health Institute Center for Collaborative Planning. I'd like to thank the committee for holding this um, hearing and offering the opportunity to give public input. Our center has served as a used substance uh, use prevention provider in Sacramento County for the past 15 years. We educate the community on the impact of cannabis and other drugs on the physical, emotional, and social health of all young people. Parents and their children are engaged in an ever-growing and persistent battle against industries seeking to grow their next generation of people dependent on artificial substances. The proliferation of these products of late includes psychoactive hemp products that are poorly reg regulated and can be easily accessed by young consumers at corner markets, gas stations, other businesses outside of illegal cannabis retailers. The expanding array of intoxicating hemp products that are often packaged and marketed to attract children and youth further normalizes conditions. Our young people deserve to live, study, work, play in environments that promote their health and safety. Shouldn't we put into place the policies and regulations that help to achieve this aim? On behalf of the hundreds of families and young people throughout Sacramento that we have the privilege of serving and supporting, we strongly urge the committee to implement the following. Prohibit sale of intoxicating hemp products locally. Prohibit marketing and sale of artificially derived cannab cannabinoids. Establish age limits on sales of intoxicating hemp products. Restrict the place of sale for industrial hemp products. Prohibit targeted packaging on marketing of hemp products to children and youth, including ex express ad advertising in mainstream media where children and youth are apt to be prime audience. Our young people have to navigate often confusing and complex environments in situations to stay safe and live healthy. Let's not add to the danger and confusion by not acting when we have the means to do so. 
Thank you for your time and consideration. Thank you for your comments. Chair, we have no more speakers on this item. Thank you. I want to thank um, everybody who came out, most of you I know well, um, especially you, Mr. John. And I just want to say before we get started that I know you would never sell intoxicating substances to a child. I know you would never sell any of those things. I think the problem that I'm grappling with is that when we see that some people are, what do we do? How do we make sure that they're playing by the same rules that you're playing by? Um, and, and that's part of the issue that brought this proposal forward to us today is that there's clearly inconsistencies in what other people are doing and selling, and some of them might not know, right? We can assume that some of them might just be saying, hey, you can do this, and they say, cool, and they sell it. Um, so education is a big piece of that, and some of them might know and, you know, be selling this stuff and not carding people and not asking those questions, and that's that's where my anxiety and level comes in. So i um, love to hear from the rest of the committee. Um, I see Vice Mayor Maple is up first. Go ahead. Just a, just a thought. Oh. Oh yeah, I know you do. Yeah, that's why I said you're not you're not who I'm worried about is what I was saying. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Vice Mayor. All right, thank you, Chair. Um, and just really want to thank everyone for um, for who came here today and for sharing this information. I was, you know, and, and thank you for this. I would love to also see some of the other um, products that you have maybe later. Um, I mean, these, you know, intoxicating substances like this should never be available to, to children, and I think that that's a very serious issue. Um, uh, but one of the things I, I think I'm grappling a little bit with here is. Um, I read, um, in preparation for this meeting, I read through the California Department of Public Health regulations around this, and, some, um, and my understanding, according to this, is that, so industrial hemp products must contain a total THC concentration of no more than 0.03%, and that's like, that's the common across all of the bills, and then it also says, if total THC exceeds this limit, they'll be in violation of the law. Um, and total THC is currently defined as THCA, delta H, THC, delta 9 THC, delta 10 THC. So it's ca capturing a lot of these different products. Um, and then it also talks about not containing a total THC isolate as an ingredient, which includes all of those different substances. Otherwise, those are deemed illegal. And, and, and also around chemically synthesized um, THC products. And so I guess what I'm trying to understand is how this how having a local ordinance would change what's already products that are already deemed illegal because some of the which that you shared on the screen did not appear at all to be in compliance with the law um, and state regulations and and um, I'm I'm just curious with is there a um, enforcement mechanism locally what does that look like how is that because right now under the CDPH regulations local jurisdictions do have the ability to enforce on these and, and should have that ability. And so I'm just trying to understand, are we putting something on the books that is already on the books at the state level? And the reason why I ask that is um, there's already a very, very complicated set of regulations at the state level, all the way down federal level, state, local, and sometimes they even are, um, they counteract one another and it's very, very complicated for businesses and the public and otherwise to navigate them. And I'm just trying to see if, if if our problem here is actually just enforcement of the law that already exists, then maybe we need to be focusing on that, on how do we create an, a, a proper enforcement mechanism. I hear um, Ms. Milstein's concerns around um, our capacity, um, but to me that seems like that, that an issue. And so I just wanted to bring those up. Um, I'm concerned about some of the, the complication, um, whether or not passing an ordinance is actually gonna, like, in effect, solve the problem or change any outcomes. But with all of that said, some of the things that I am really interested in that I, th that I think completely fall within um, the roles and responsibility of local government 
um, is around sensitive use buffers and zoning, protecting around schools. I think that makes total sense. Um, we already do this with cannabis. We do that. Um, we should do it without call, in my opinion. We don't, but we should. And so I, I really think that you know that's a space where I, I can see us absolutely playing a role. I don't think products like this should be available within reach of children or within a certain buffer zone of schools, and I'd love to explore that. Um, I'm also really interested in just a general age limit for um, a higher age limit for consumables, period. Right, like I'm, you know, if you're in high school and you want to put hemp lotion on, I love hemp lotions; they're wonderful. Um, great, but should you consume something in your body if you're under the age of 21 that could possibly, you know, be intoxicating? Um, I think that's absolutely a conversation. I think that we should have. Um, but you know, I'm a little weary of, you know, wholesale prohibiting the sale of hemp, intoxicating hemp products. I think if you're over the age of 21 and you're an adult, um, you should have the ability to make that choice for yourself. Um, and then. Last point I'll make on the packaging aimed at children, huge problem. Um, and some of the examples that you showed are, you know, mind-blowing. Like, no, we should not have something that says fruit punch that looks like candies that kids can buy at the store. Um, but, you know, again, to, to the complicating nature of all of the regulations that already exist, there's very robust regulations around cannabis packaging for, for cannabis um, that needs to happen for, uh, for hemp products, in my opinion, um, if they don't exist in the way that they should. But I'm really unclear about how that would work for a business. So, like, let's say the city of Sacramento says, you know what, you can't sell, you know, whatever we define as, you know, marketing to children, which those, those definitions vary. Um, then when you have products that are manufactured at a state level and they are sent all over the state of California, how is that company who's manufacturing, let's say, millions of products for supposed to say, okay, well, here, we're going to set aside this little tiny skew that's only going to go to the city of Sacramento because they have this regulation and so on. I think it would be untenable um, for, for those businesses. And so um, I'm just trying to wrap my hand around that. So those are my, my general comments. No, I appreciate the questions. And I think, to be clear, um, it's just around the artificially derived cannabinoid products, not all hemp. Um, and I think for me, well, this is actually really similar um, to an ordinance you're very familiar with, the tenant anti-harassment ordinance, where we were codifying something that was state law so that we had an enforcement mechanism locally. Um, that was part of that, was code doesn't enforce those things necessarily if they're state law, as they would if it was local code. Um, so that's where Ms. Milstein's comments come in, is like, you know, they're concerned, do they have capacity to enforce, because they're not currently doing that right now. Um, and so that's part of what my interest was in this is like, can we give our staff direction to say, hey, when you see it, do something about it um, so that we can, and if there's more tweaks that need to be made to better align with state law, then yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, just to my mind, it might make sense to instead have it be direction to the police department, for example, mm -hmm. to enforce or have, you know, some age verification tools, whatever that looks like, um, rather than creating an additional set and for Tahoe, that the private right of action was like the key piece, mm -hmm. which I don't think we want to do here. But yeah, yeah. Thank you. That makes sense. Okay, um, Councilmember Guerra. Great, thank you. You know, and uh, first, I guess my my first take on this is um, the fact that we still have, um, you know, folks that are using creative chemistry or still continue to use um, vape pens and others for some of this, um, and vape pens in general just are are just you know, on top of all of what's inside them that people consume and the trash and litter and what ends up in the garbage. I mean, that those are, those are I think, uh, an entirely different conversation, but it adds to the, I think, the proliferation that you're seeing in schools. And, uh, and even with consumables here, using, you know, figuring out a way to uh, 
to make an, an effective effort to tackle these. That to me is, is I think, is an important um, direction that we need to be moving forward. Um, I, I also have a lot of concerns, again, about you know how these loopholes have kind of created a, a legal way for people to to you know overconsume a product and then um, find themselves in something they weren't uh, weren't expecting, particularly when they're being advertised like you know gummy bears or or pina coladas or strawberry smash or, or whatever whatever else it is. I mean, I think that uh, uh, you know I'm, uh, that, that to me it continues to trouble. Uh, to trouble me about where the, the market is going. And I, I think back to when we looked at the uh, Flavor Tobacco Ordinance. Flavor Tobacco was, was obviously legal to be produced in the country. It obviously was legal to be sold uh, in California. Um, and, um, and we did take uh, a stance to say we need to figure out a way to start reducing the exposure, uh, you know, for, in front of youth and particularly Communities of color when it came to um, menthol, um, and uh, and and I and we did that in a way. And one thing we realized real quickly was that if Sacramento does it on its own, it, um, you know, we become an island, and people just sold it on the other side of the street of the county line. And so it wasn't until we got Sacramento County to obviously take an action that we we can see like some significant, I think, progress moving to that. Later on, the state took an action. The industry obviously was attacking it, and so they filed a, a, a statewide ballot. But the, the public, thank goodness, you know, took a stand and said, we need to protect young people from these exposures. So do I think we need to be moving in, in a, uh, as a city forward on this item to try to kind of contain and manage cannabinoids that uh, may fall between the, you know, point zero. Uh, the zero point three percentage legal threshold because they're being flavored and could be consumed. Yes, I think we should. I think we. I think we need to be moving that forward, um, and uh, we need to be thinking through what are the strategies and tactics we're going to do that. Um, I saw. I appreciate the model ordinance and the information that was brought to us. Um, you know, I, whether that ordinance is appropriate or not, or works for our city was. You know, I look at model ordinances that are created by institutes that actually don't work with local government, government sometimes. So I don't know if, if, if at times how how much information they have in the actual application. So, but it's something for us, I think, to 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 look at and review and consider. Um, so having said that, I also am very cognizant of where we are as staffing levels and what we can do and what good is it if we pass an ordinance if we can't enforce it. It's just as bad as what's happening at the state level and the county level here. Uh, but there are things I think we can and should do first. So first, uh, I appreciate that there was a letter submitted, a cease and desist letter that wasn't from the county, but it was actually from the city of San Diego that sent it to their businesses um, indicating that they've become aware of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, the business selling, uh, potentially selling um, products that, one, don't meet the the, the the actual um, uh, standard of 0.3 and also selling to minors and I, I do think that that that's something in in our work plan for our code enforcement uh, officers uh, that we can notify 
I think that's something we can do. I mean, it, do, do we need an ordinance for that? Do we need a policy for that? No, I mean, I, I, I would ask the city attorney uh, and their team to say, what, what, uh, if, we're, if we know someone is breaking the law, why can't our city send an, a notice to, to a business when we're notified of that um, uh, as well? Or those that are engaging, in, uh, you know, which we know most of, many times these are in, in some of our tobacco retail shops. So, you know, it could, be, it could be managed. So I think there are things we can do immediately. I think the other thing that this should, uh, the city should do is also request and send a, a notification to the county to say, we see this happening. The, the example that was mentioned today was on Fulton Boulevard. Well, that's not in the city of Sacramento. That's in the county of Sacramento. And, um, uh, and so I, I, would, I would say that, you know, one, uh, the next thing that we should do is uh, engage the county and, and send a message to the county saying that this is, a, uh, this is something that, that falls within their purview, uh, because I do agree with that. Um, does that mean we, we, uh, we don't um, move forward in some kind of ordinance? Um, no, I think we probably should. But timing-wise, I want to be realistic about what we can do. I don't want to set up any false expectations that we're going to move through something, particularly in this next year when we're short on code officers, short on law enforcement officers, uh, and, and don't have an ability. So I, I think what we need to acknowledge is, is uh, maybe rather than, because the, the options before us, uh, Madam Chair here, um, are either to move a policy, to not move a policy, to send it back to you to work through. And what I'd rather maybe ask is for staff to, to think through and say, what are the things we can do now? You know, what are the, and, and um, as we look at bandwidth to manage this, because the, the tobacco uh, retail ordinance and the flavored tobacco ban took us, um, you know, uh, Assistant City Manager Laney Milstein, what was that, four years, five years? I can't, I, I, I don't know, I think we started in 2016, and I mean, it was a long time, you know, because of, the, of, of everything that I think Vice Mayor uh, Maple mentioned that we're dealing with so many small business and, and operators. So I, I want to be realistic about what we can do. And on this hearing should probably be a message to retailers right now, not the ones that are here today, because obviously they are very aware and cognizant and probably are following all the rules. But there are many of those who are just trying to sell, trying to sell all the products that they have. So I think, to me, that would be my preference in where we go, is, is recognize what our real ability is to... In, uh, to do something, uh, but to say we shouldn't move forward at all, I, I, I just can't, you know, in good conscience with two kids that, you know, um, you know, now, you know, on the way over here, my little one was like, I want a snack, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's real quick the, to go from just I want a snack to I want that pina gummy colada, you know, and, and that is where uh, I have some, some serious concerns. So, um, to, so, you know, and I don't, so I'll, I'll let uh, our, uh, our vice chair here go move forward next, but um, I don't know um, in which uh, motion to move forward here other than to say is that, the, I, that uh, we have to do something. We got to be very thoughtful and reasonable what we really realistically can do. And just writing another ordinance in itself may not be, um, may not be fruitful as well. So can I propose, it sounds like you're amending what would be motion one, because you don't disagree with the concept in the proposal, but you're asking staff to work on this and bring back options for ways we could tackle the issues the proposal is trying to address. Yes, and, 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 and here's the, the other complexity. Really, we need a sixth option on this list, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the sixth option, because 
Here's the question that I also have is the, just the rubric and complexity on the, the products and the materials and which ones and how much. And so that, that I think it becomes, you know, this isn't a, I think this is actually even more complicated than flavored tobacco and um, menthol cigarettes. I think, and so that I think is the challenge here. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Vice Chair Jennings. Uh, thank you. Um, I appreciate uh, my colleagues and what they've said about this matter. And I appreciate the um, audience for being here today and speaking on this. Um, uh, I think I heard one member say it's a matter of urgent concern. Um, and so when you have a matter of urgent concern, that means you have to move with a sense of urgency. Um, and I don't know that we have the answer because we don't have a plan. And so I've been saying to my children all, all their lives, failure to plan is planning to fail. And so I'm going to support um, my colleagues' motion to give it back to staff and come up with a plan of how we move forward. Because we can throw a lot of things at this because of our concern for our most vulnerable population right now that's being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to and we don't have the ability to do the enforcement that needs to be done. And so while I like talking and listening to you, I really do, I'm a move to action kind of person. I want to get over the goal line and I want to score the touchdown and then I want to win the game, right? Not only the game of that day, but the game of life. And so I'm saying we got to have a plan. And the plan is not just a local plan that's here in the city. We are now talking to our state and our federal folks as far as how they can be a part of the team and be a part of the plan that we're putting together. Because we've got to have something that we can enforce at some level, some way. So I know that um, we've got a best practice in front of us with San Diego County. It would be great for them to also be a part of this plan. Whether we go on a visit to San Diego County or whether we talk to them on this great thing that we call Zoom, where we can have a meeting without getting on a plane and talk about what have they done and how did they get started and how did they develop their plan, how did they move forward and what have been the results of what they've done so that we can then see whether or not that's going to potentially work here in Sacramento. And so I'm, um, I'm, I'm bothered by all of this. I'm, I'm concerned that our kids are being exposed to things they shouldn't be exposed to that could create habits that will change their life and so um, and probably is changing their life so I, I believe strongly we have to have a plan and not just keep throwing things at this that are not going to solve the issues that we have in front of us but also create a plan that can change the course that we're going so it's a course that our kids are not affected so um, with that, I guess I'm supporting if that was a motion that you put on the floor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I, I my, my, my motion looked more like spaghetti than mm -hmm. anything, you know. But uh, but yes, I mean, I think some kind of a, a plan. And maybe well, I'll let me, ask. Let me try to I'll throw, this, yeah. I'll throw this on the chair for you. Yes. Yeah, no, I'll summarize here because, I mean, it doesn't mean that there might not need to be an ordinance, right? I mean, it could be that staff goes Absolutely. out and says, we can't write these letters because this thing isn't clear, or that thing isn't clear, and like it's a state law change or it's a local ordinance change. So, I mean, this is the flaw with this 
lovely new process we have is that we haven't talked to any staff yet because that's not the way this works. So what we're telling them to do is you have these issues in here, and I'm also looking at the city attorney because this is going to involve you all as well, um, that we want to figure out how to address. And so looking at, you know, what other communities have done, looking at what the law says, are we, what are our options um, right now? Does it, what might require additional action on behalf of this body? Like where do we sit in this legal framework and what your recommendations might be to us? for how to move forward to address the issue we all agree we want to address. Yeah. That sounds good to me, and I'll, and, and I'll take that as a motion. Yeah. I'll make that as a motion. I, I'll, I'll add to say that, you know, there, there may be correspondences that we send to businesses naturally. Are there ways that, that we can add into that where we don't add, where it's given the fact that we know we have limited staff capacity, we know we're going into a higher fiscal crunch, what are the overlaps we can do in on the notification education. And then once people are notified, you know, that helps us in the future when it comes to enforcement. So yeah. um, so those kind of things I'm thinking about. What's what's practical that we can do? So. Yeah, no, I get it. Because, I mean, for me, I look at, like, if you saw, like, a normal gummy, it wouldn't assume, you wouldn't assume it would have 100 milligrams of something in it. Like, I didn't even know that was actually possible until I met with the Youth Forward folks. Um, so, like, you know, I could see there being that. And I appreciate the point made about education. Like, how do you read these labels? And it's hard because these aren't super clearly labeled. Um, you know, like, you can, one of the one that they just handed up to us says Sour Patch Kids is the thing that I saw. And I'm like cool, how many milligrams, how many, you know, like, what does this mean? You know, like, if you wanted to be an informed customer and preferred these products, what would you even do? Forgetting the fact that children are just going to see Sour Patch Kids and be like, oh, cool, cheaper Sour Patch Kids and buy them and potentially get into trouble. So I think there's a lot of options in front of us. I mean, even so, and I would like to encourage staff maybe to include the Youth Forward um, Public Health Institute team since they've done some of this research already. Um, there's more information that I know they've given to some of us about just other steps that other cities and communities have taken. So I think, you know, it might be that we might be the first um, and that I know we want to do our due diligence before we take any actions if we are going to be the first, but um, definitely want to make sure that they're engaged because they have done a lot of that like work already and might be able to help us jump ahead. Just, just one more point for me. Um, I want to make sure that as we talk about this plan and coming back with what we're going, what we can do, one thing that I know we can do right now is educate. And to the degree that we involve our schools and our community-based organizations and our families, to the degree that we get out in front of them now to let them know of some of the potential dangers that our children may be exposed to, we have to educate. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we can do by pulling together the resources that are in touch with our kids on a daily basis and let them know what the magnitude of the problem is and then develop an education process that we can go out and start educating. And so um, I, that's something I know we can do. Yeah. And we can do it pretty quickly. I wonder if, and, and I know um, Davina's in the back, but Lainey's in here. I mean, I know we get funding for things like youth education around cannabis um, and prevention work. And so I wonder if hemp products is something that we could try to include in some of that messaging. Um, as we do that, something to consider is one of those options that we move forward with. Just letting them know, just because you see it in the gas station and it's not in a dispensary doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to get you high and do something bad. Okay. So that's the motion with a lot of direction. Keep working on it um, so that we can come back with some options and consider what we can do. Um, so all in favor, please say aye. Oh. Well, we say aye. Okay. 
keep working on it with a sense of urgency. Yes. So I'm, I'm not interested in a four-year process. <laughs> right? That's, I mean, as hard as we took, that's what it took. Maybe we could ask for at least an update to come back by the summer. Can we at least ask for that, even if it's just a status update? Exactly. Okay. So we're asking for an update to come back by, um, by the summer. Yeah, and uh, Councilmember Guerra made the motion, even though I spaghettied it as well, and um, Vice Chair seconded it. So all in favor, say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Abstentions, that passes. All right, to be continued. Thank you all for your engagement in this. We'll keep, we'll keep working on it. Thank you. Of course, yeah, yeah, you can, you know how to, you reach out to me, yeah. Okay, um, all right, so now we have um, committee comments. Anything off agenda, ideas, questions? No, all right. Uh, any public comments not on the agenda? We have no speakers. Okay, with that, we are adjourned. Thank you, 11 a.m. <laughs>